Again, good morning. Uh, we are currently in a sermon series about the book of Nehemiah, and today we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 3. If you've ever read Nehemiah chapter 3, some would probably say it is one of the more boring chapters in the entire Bible, because it is like a roll call of unpronounceable names, one after another after another. So hang on, here we go. <laughs> but but I do believe, even though Nehemiah chapter 3 on the surface may not seem like the most exciting chapter in the Bible to preach from, there is so much that we as his children, we can we can really gain. There, there are a lot of parallels that if we will just uh, look a little bit deeper into this chapter that we can draw for ourselves. Now I know you remember as we, we talked about in the past few weeks, Nehemiah had a very strong desire on his heart that God had placed there a desire to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem, to, to rebuild the walls around the city of God for the glory of God. And it happened. Now, I know that this room is filled with biblical scholars. Uh, do you know... How long it took to rebuild said wall around Jerusalem? I know, I know, you're probably thinking years, right? Because we think in terms of building projects we may see going on. It took a grand total of 52 days to rebuild the wall all around Jerusalem. It takes longer today to get all your permits, right? <laughs> to actually start the building process. But, but somehow, Nehemiah was able to rebuild these walls around Jerusalem in under two months. You say, how? How did that happen? Well, first and foremost, it happened because God was behind the whole thing. And all throughout Nehemiah, you see Nehemiah continually giving God that glory, continually giving Him for that credit, that it was about the good that God had done. But what we see here in chapter 3 is that Nehemiah also wants us to know that there were also a whole lot of people involved in rebuilding that wall for it to only take 52 days. If you go through Nehemiah chapter 3, there are over 30, excuse me, over 30 individuals mentioned by name. There are over 40 groups mentioned by name. And so you see a lot of different individuals, a lot of different groups that are mentioned or recorded so that we can know the, the part that they played in rebuilding this wonderful, wonderful wall. What does this have to do with us? Listen. Today, the church, a church that is thriving, a church that is active, a, a church that is growing spiritually and numerically, one that is giving God complete glory in that, man, don't you know that that is something that pleases God? But then other churches, other congregations that are just kind of limping along through life and, and they've become more of a landmark to the community than a lighthouse. They find themselves slowly dwindling numerically and many times ultimately closing their doors. How sad that is. So very, very sad. Did you know right now Researchers show that across the U.S., thousands of churches are closing their doors every single year. Thousands. 
As a matter of fact, when I was doing some of my research for this, you know how sometimes you're online and you find yourself chasing various rabbit trails because of you know the amazingment of online community? I was led to so many articles basically saying, listen, now's the time. If you want to buy an old church building and flip it and turn it into a B&B or, or, or turn it into some type of, of a residential place, now's your chance. Man, there are so many of these on the market. So many are available. And I can't help but think Satan must really, really love every minute of it. And I can't help but think for those non-believers who are outside of Christ, they must look at for sell signs like this. And they mock. And they laugh. And they say, see, I told you. This whole faith thing, this whole belief in God, it's all a bunch of foolishness. See that? They're having to, they're having to sell their buildings. They can't even keep the doors open. So sad. We have to make sure that we are surrounding our wall. We have to make sure that this isn't happening here. That, that this never becomes a reflection of who we are. And, and thankfully it's not. As a matter of fact, we as a congregation have been slowly but steadily growing. And, and we give God all the glory for that. Let me, I want to share some numbers with you this morning, just real quickly. So if you'll just hang with me for a second here. If you go back to 2018, our average attendance in 2018 was 221. Then you go to 2019, we bumped up to 230. That was good growth. Then 2020 happened. There was a little thing called COVID that hit. And it was a rough, rough year for a lot of people in a lot of different ways. We were very thankful just to have 109 of us averaging out that year, especially when we remember, I know many of us remember coming back immediately after that closing, and there just being 40 or 50 of us meeting next door, averaging 109 for that year was a blessing. Now you go from there to 2021. We really started bumping back up. People began to feel safer getting out of their homes and, and really starting to come back into the assembly once more. So we grew to 148. Last year we averaged 165. So you see a considerable growth for that year. This year, at this point in time, we're averaging 181 in our worship assembly every Sunday. You, you see the pattern. It's going in the right direction. It's, it's moving forward. It's growing. By the way, something you may or may not have known is in the past four years, this, <clears throat> excuse me, this congregation has experienced 25 deaths. You ever think about those things? A lot of times when the people we love, they pass on. We don't think about it very long. But in the past four years, we as a congregation, 25 of our members have passed on from this life. And so we have to be aware of those kind of things, conscious of those kind of things. But it's not just in our worship assembly we see growth. In our Bible classes in 2019, 57% of people were a part of our Sunday morning Bible class. Now there are 66% who are a part of our Bible class. It's an improvement. It's a growth. And man, this is something that we have a lot of easy control over, right? Like all we have to do is stay for Bible class, and that makes our numbers go up. It makes them grow in the way that we want them to grow. So that's that's an easy thing for us to just actively uh, continue to improve on. Our online presence. In 2019, we had about three every Sunday who tuned in online. Online viewers are, are those who are watching in the moment, watching right now. Hey, how are you all doing? 
All right, that is the online presence. Today, we have over 30 every week who are tuning in online. Even with all of us here, there are over 30. Our online presence really grew during COVID. It it was really a, a very phenomenal and encouraging thing to see. We would get messages from people in South Carolina and San Antonio and Pennsylvania, Christians who were shuttered themselves as a result of COVID, and maybe their congregation didn't have access to the online things we already had in place. And so we had Christians from all over who began, well, worshiping with rainbow. And those numbers, they really haven't drifted off. As a matter of fact, if you go again, that's just during our worship assembly. If you look by the end of the week, dozens more, sometimes 70, 80, 90 people will have viewed our worship service. So we are making a a difference. We are making a positive impact. And and I think it's very important to, to be aware of these things and to know kind of where we are and what direction, a good direction that we're headed in. Now let's go back to our text. In Nehemiah chapter 3, that wall was rebuilt because there were people from all different backgrounds, all different professions working together. How long long do you think it would have taken had it just been Nehemiah by himself? Hmm? Would the wall ever even been finished? Probably not. So who is it that we see rebuilding this wall? It is people from all over the place. It is people from so many different backgrounds. You you have people. You have people like the ruler of a district in verse 15. You you have people, as Nehemiah refers to with no status, those unnamed temple servants. You see over in verse 26, everyone's getting involved. What you don't see is anybody just like writing Nehemiah a check and saying, go hire The best of the best. What you don't see in this chapter is a long list of like skilled carpenters and skilled stonemasons. The people that we may think would be so important in in rebuilding this wall. What you see? Well, you see the high priest. You see a goldsmith. You see a perfumer, among others. Probably not exactly like the group of folks you would expect to see on any given construction site, right? Uh, I mean, like, if you were to say, so Nehemiah, this group of workers, man, they're, they're getting after it. Where did you find them? Like, did you go to Lowe's? Did you like, recruit the guys at Lowe's? No. Uh, Hananiah, I found on the perfume aisle at Belks. Oh, <laughs> he's just there, willing to work. You have all these different people from different places, different occupations, different backgrounds, but they all had the same goal. They, they all were ready and willing to serve and to work. And man, what a blessing it is. And today, we as the church, we continue to thrive, not because there's just a, a handful of us doing the work. We thrive because so many from so many different places continue to use their, well, their abilities for the glory of God. I know you remember how the Apostle Paul, how he worded this, In Romans chapter 12, there beginning in verse 4, he says, For as in one body we have many members, and members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. 
let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. It does not matter if you have only been a Christian for 52 days or if you have been a Christian for over 50 years. It does not matter if you have a Ph.D. or you got your degree from the School of Hard Knocks. What matters is whether or not everyone who is a part of this body here at Rainbow, that everyone is doing their part to be an active part in the body of Christ. Maybe you're thinking, yeah, that sounds good, and as soon as I figure out what my talents are, then I'll get to work, right? Then, then I'll finally do something, once I figure out what that is. And while, listen, I am someone who is an absolute believer in utilizing the gifts that God has given you for His glory. Let's pause a second. Again, who, who rebuilt that wall? Who were some of the ones? The goldsmith, the high priest. The perfumer. Those were some of the ones who were rebuilding the wall. And so don't sit around and go, I don't know what my talent is once I figure that out. No, 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 no. If you see something that needs to be done, do it. Step in and fill that role to to the best of your ability. Instead of asking, what's my gift? Maybe the question we need to be asking is what needs to be done? Again, if you see something that you think needs to be done do it. If you're not sure what needs to be done, ask. There are always wonderful opportunities for us to do the work of the Lord here at Rainbow. I mean, always. So ask. Our McGuffey's work has just recently resumed. We're so thankful we have that opportunity once more. We need volunteers. We need more who are willing to be a part of that work. Our Rainbow's Kids Ministry is doing such a marvelous job loving on and teaching the the children of this congregation. The Rainbow Kids Ministry, it needs teachers. It needs te- and it needs it needs more than begrudging teachers, okay? It needs more than just the if you don't get anybody else, I'll do it kind of teachers, right? What it needs are people going, I would love to. I have a heart for kids. I know there's nothing more important than instilling the kingdom of God in our kids and teaching them about Jesus. How can I help? Where do you need me? That's the heart we need. Our community outreach events, it needs volunteers to be able to touch the hearts of our community. And listen, our Eagles for Christ ministry, it's about to kick off Wednesday, September the 13th at Litchfield Middle School. We need volunteers. If you want to come be a part of that, if you would like to help with that, it is a wonderful thing to be a part of. Just ask. There are opportunities galore to serve God and to help be a part of the mission that He's given to all of us. A mission to continue to make more and more disciples for Jesus Christ. So often we... We do something, and maybe initially we think it's not going to be for us. We think, that that's not for me. I'm, I'm not a teacher. Have you ever taught? See, a lot of times what you find is something you may not think you're equipped to do, something you may not know is a talent. It will probably never be your talent until you at least try. And then when you try, guess what you find out a lot of times? 
You find out how rewarding it is. You find out, not to say that you're good at it, but you find out you make a really positive impact in the lives of those that you're serving. You may say, I don't know who has the gift of hospitality. Have you ever opened up your home to, to, to show or to be hospitable to those around you? And you won't know till you do. You won't know if you have the gift of hospitality until you finally open up your home and your heart to someone else. You see, that's the way it works with these things. So often we sit and we go, that's not me. But we really don't know because we've never done it ourselves. We, we've never tried. So we need to ask what needs to be done. It's a great question. Another good question is, what do I care about? This is a very important question. What do I care about? Throughout the account, you'll see times where someone is working on a section of the wall close to their home. Here's one of those examples in chapter 3, verse 28. It says, above the horse gate, the priest repaired each one opposite his own house. Hmm. For any of you who've ever done any kind of construction, do you think that these priests were tempted to cut any corners? Do you think that, that these priests were tempted to say, I really don't want to do that? No. Why? Because they're working on the part of the wall that's going to protect that which is most precious to them. <laughs> they're working on the part of the wall that's protecting their own house. So what do you care about? Do you care about children? Do you care about teenagers? Do you care about marriages? Do, do you care about grief? Do you care about people who are hurting? Do you care about people who are suffering with addiction? Do you care about people who don't know Jesus? Do you care about those who are homeless? What is it that you care about? Find those who are on your heart that you care about and then find a ministry here at Rainbow to actively be a part of so that you can serve those who are already on your heart. And if by chance there's not a ministry that already meets those needs, then it is your opportunity to start a new section of our wall. It is your opportunity to use that which is on your heart to do wonderful good for the glory of God. So what do you care about? What is it that you are passionate about? While there were a lot of people doing the work, I do want to make sure we understand that not everybody got involved. I mean, like any time, there's always going to be those who go, Mm-mm, that's not for me. Rome, Nehemiah 3, verse 5, says next to them the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles. Their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. They wouldn't, they wouldn't stoop. <laughs> In other words, they were, they were too good for it. The, the work that needed to be done, that was beneath them. I read one time many years ago, a good leader will take out the trash. Okay? good leader will take out the trash. If we have a heart that's humble, and we know that nothing is beneath us, that no work, that we're, we're not too good for any work that needs to be done, that we're not above it, <laughs> we'll have those humble hearts, and it will be absolutely amazing 
the good that will continue to be done and that will grow as a result of our our efforts. Nehemiah's vision became a reality because people made extraordinary sacrifices. Like I mentioned a moment ago, people came from all over. It wasn't just about the people in Jerusalem rebuilding their wall. When you read through this, you see there are people from all over who were coming to be a part of this. Why? They didn't benefit from it directly at all. But they wanted, what is it What is it you say, Larry? They just wanted to be a blessing, right? That is exactly what they were doing. All of these people coming from other places, they just wanted to be a blessing to other people. And you and I, we can have and should have that same mindset. Again, looking for those opportunities to serve. Looking for those ways to be a blessing to other people. But, but it's so easy for us sometimes. It's so easy for us sometimes to develop a consumer-minded mentality rather than a servant-minded mentality. And you, you know a consumer mind, right? The consumer mind is one that would go, but what's this going to do for me? Yeah, I mean, coming to church, coming to Bible class, being a part of some ministry, I hear what you're saying, but what's that going to do for me? How is it going to benefit me? It's a very selfish, a very consumer-minded way of thinking. And, And we need to try to break that. We must try to break that. I see this text in Nehemiah 3, and and again, on the surface, it seems so almost boring (laughs) as you try to go through it. But, But I am reminded, man, I am reminded that these people, these ordinary people did some extraordinary things. They sacrificed in some amazing ways. And that is why and that is how that wall around Jerusalem was able to be rebuilt in just 52 days. Because the people had a heart to build. The people had the heart to work. No doubt. No doubt they made it their priority You know, I mentioned that so far after this year, we, we have averaged 181 in our worship, which is wonderful. Um, last week, last week was an especially encouraging day. We had 221 with us last Sunday. Chris, how many do we have today? Did you count? 180, okay. I, I didn't think it felt quite like 200. But still, right at our average, which is good. But the reason I bring up last Sunday is because, again, 221, and, and that's so much more than our average, and that's actually the third largest Sunday we've had since COVID. The other two were the last two Easter Sundays. And you want to know what made it so much more in number? We were all here. You see, we're a very blessed congregation in a lot of ways. And one of those ways is a lot of us are able to go and do and be places and, and be other doing other things. And, and then other folks are dealing with various health issues and different struggles. And so sometimes then because of those two factors, you don't always know from week to week how many are going to be here. But I'm a firm believer that if everyone was healthy in here, we would have over 200 every Sunday morning. Just because that's where we're at. It's just that we're always kind of on the go, going different places, doing different things. 
No doubt. No doubt these folks, man, they they had to rearrange their calendar, right? They, they had to, to adjust their priorities somehow to make sure this wall got built in 52 days. And, and while the Scriptures don't specifically tell us that, the reason I bring that up is because, well, I just don't think a wall is going to be able to be rebuilt around Jerusalem in 52 days if everybody has the mindset of, well, you know, uh, I'll try to give an hour this week here or an hour there, wherever I can, if, if I have time to do it. I don't think that was their mindset. Uh, I think their mindset was, this is what's important. This is what is our priority. And they adjusted. We, as, as human beings, as us being us, <laughs> The way we typically work weeks to week, week to week is uh, typically like this, right? Whether it's weekly calendar, daily calendar, we go, well, I have work, I have all my meetings, I have kids have schools, kids have sports, other activities, We've got all these things we've got to get done, so many different things going in so many different directions. Uh, and then if I have any free time, there's things that I like to do, you know, I have hobbies and things outside of work, things outside of my family, I have other family obligations. And so we fill in this list of things, and then we say, <clears throat> and if I have time, I'll try to go to, to church on Sunday. If, if I have time, if nothing else happens, if nothing else comes up, I'll, I'll, I'll try to go to Bible class on Wednesday. And, and that's the way we typically arrange our schedule. And so a passage like this then, should it not kind of challenge us? Challenge us to think about maybe reprioritizing? So that while we still get in all those other things that are so important and essential to our lives, but we rearrange to make sure that, that God, God and His mission, those are non-negotiable. And that everything else works around that. Instead of the other way around. Just something to think about from this passage. When they finished the wall, though, they didn't stop there. Here in verse 11, you see where there were those who, they did what? They repaired another section and the tower of the ovens. So they didn't just finish their part and say, well, I'm, go I'm gone, guys. I did mine, and now I'm out of here. They did theirs, and then they did more. So they had a heart that was saying, all right, I've done what I came to do. I did my section you assigned me. Now what's next? Where else do you need me? And for the church, forever, as long as this earth stands, as long as the church is here, this heart will always be so necessary for the church to have. To be a people who are willing to serve, willing to use their talents for the glory of God, but are also always looking to the next thing to say, now what's next? Uh, yeah, I just did this, but now what's next? What can I do now? Man, what a wonderful heart that is. What a, what a beautiful spirit that is. <laughs> so many of you, you do this. Man, you, you use your talents for God. You use your talents for this congregation. You use your talents to serve those outside of Christ. And over the past few weeks, as I've been working on this, I did. I hit a point where I thought, I'm going to do like Nehemiah. And I'm going to start listing all the things that I know about that happen around here. Because I know about a lot of great things. 
And I thought, I'm going to list all of you and, and the wonderful things that you're doing, you know. Ah, but then I, I caught myself. And I thought, hmm, like if you call out these folks for doing these wonderful things, it's going to make them very uncomfortable and you don't want to do that. And then there may be others who you would absolutely love it. And frankly, that's a sermon for another time. Uh, but, but even more than that, I, I just didn't want to risk overlooking anyone because I am not so naive to think that there aren't good things going on that I have no clue about. Alright? But I want you to know, if you're using those gifts that you have for the glory of God, you inspire me. You, you encourage me. You keep me uplifted. Thank you so much for doing what you do for the glory of God. And, and I know, I know we all have days where we get discouraged and, and we get distracted and, and, and we start to allow other things to get in the way of what really counts for us. And I, I know that happens. But don't quit. Don't ever quit being who God has called you to be. Don't ever quit serving how God has called you to serve. Let me leave you with this promise from God, not from me, from this promise from God. In Hebrews 6 and verse 11, it says, For God is not unjust, so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for His name in serving the saints, as you still do. Don't quit. Keep working on your part of the wall. We need you. I'm so thankful for everything you do. If by chance you're here this morning and maybe you haven't been as active as you know you could or should be, man, we need you too. You are so talented. You're so gifted. You could offer so much to the kingdom for the glory of God. We need you. We need you very much. Filling a role that no one else can really fill but you. We need you still working on your section of the wall. Maybe you're here today and you've never obeyed the Gospel. Do that today. Maybe you need prayers of encouragement. Prayers of forgiveness. I don't know what it is you may need. But if we can help you in any way, won't you come as we stand and sing?